Hey besties, welcome to the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast, where our mission is to transform your life and help you become the most phenomenal woman you're meant to be. I'm Brianna, the founder of the Badass Book Besties, where we encourage a conversation around a love of books and learning so that you can make new friends and expand your thinking. I'm a lover of books, beers, traveling, and motivating women to live their dream life. Each week on this podcast, you'll be motivated and empowered to make positive changes in your life through intellectual conversations and interviews, how-to ideas, and insight from a variety of books. We celebrate the incredible and simple accomplishments women make every day. To be a badass woman means to be awesome, impressive, and worthy of admiration. So my goal is to help you see your true worth and build your self-confidence. If you're someone who wishes to be inspired by other women doing extraordinary things and want to be encouraged to live your most badass life, then this is the podcast for you. Hey there, badass bestie. Welcome back to another episode of the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast, where we inspire and encourage women to live their most badass lives. This is episode 26, Celebrating Life and Laughter with Chantal. In today's episode, we have the incredible Chantal joining us as our Badass Bestie of the Month for August. Inside of the Badass Book Besties membership, I feature a different woman who has a chance to share what makes her so incredible, from the simple things in life to the grandiose. It's a way for me to get to know my members, but also to share with everyone else how awesome we all truly are. So get ready to be inspired by her amazing journey of living life to the fullest and embracing every moment with a sense of adventure and laughter. From reminiscing about the joy of simple pleasures to raising a family based on love and acceptance, Chantal shares her wisdom and experiences with us. We'll delve into her unexpected career path in healthcare, her passion for books and self-care, and her desire to make a positive impact on others. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and get ready to be inspired to live your most badass life with the remarkable Chantal. In this interview, you're going to learn so much about her. She shares her desire to be remembered as a great listener, a woman who is always down for a good time, a good life, and a lot of laughs, her journey of raising three children as a single mom, and the importance of letting them be themselves, which she now encourages in her two grandchildren as well. She ensures that she acknowledges and supports their own paths no matter what they choose to be or do. She believes in not judging or imposing her own expectations on them. She also shares the importance of encouragement, regardless of whether goals change throughout your life. Her absolute gratitude for life, gaining knowledge with age, and becoming a mom who listens and supports her children no matter what. She talks about how shame and guilt really shouldn't be used when raising your children, and that they shouldn't be shamed into following boundaries that you set. It should be more focused on communication and empowerment. Her favorite self-care practice, which I absolutely love, of making sure she takes time out for herself despite challenges she had as a single mom and now being semi-retired. She talks about her life goals of getting back in shape, making healthier choices, and I love this so very much, publishing her first book. She is actually a member of a writing accountability group that we have, and we are going to be accomplishing the task, the amazing task of creating a book together. And I am just so grateful that she is in this membership and that we met because of that, because now we have a chance to follow our lifelong dreams of being a published author. And so she talks about the importance of reading more and writing a book, and now she has that time to do it, and she will achieve those lifelong goals, especially as a Badass Book Besties member. And then, of course, at the end, she talks about her favorite parts of being in our incredible membership. So without further ado, here is Chantal, the Badass Bestie of the Month. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you to Chantel, our fabulous badass bestie of the month. Hello, Chantel. Hello. <laughs> I am so excited to celebrate you. She is a semi-retired and has been for two and a half years. Exciting. She yes. worked in healthcare for about 20 years and raised three children as a single mom, which is an incredible feat, I must say. Now she is married to the love of her life and working as a gig worker. So I'm super excited to hear more about that. 
She enjoys traveling and spending time with her grandchildren, and her focus in life as a soon-to-be 57-year-old is to be more healthy every day and to focus on a positive mindset. She wishes to finally realize it's okay to put herself first before anyone else. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> and loving life one moment at a time so she can grow into the best Chantel she can be. So congratulations for being the badass bestie of the month. <laughs> yes. I always love to ask the amazing women, what makes you your most badass self? Um, I guess I'm a good listener. Um, I always had been that way ever since I was a kid. I always was the person and the the friend, the sister, the coworker, even the um, the field that I was in in healthcare. I always like to listen to a good story from our elderly, mm. you know, people, things like that. So I guess that's me being a good listener and then giving good positive feedback to people. You know, if I can. Yeah. If I can't, then I just keep my mouth shut and listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because when you said a good story, I was like, oh, the gossip. Oh, you mean stories from people. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, gossip yeah. too, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that because being a good listener is something that is one of the, what is it? Seven habits of highly effective people, like really listening to what people have to say. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like you're the type of person to ask a lot of questions as well, or just listen to what they have to say? Um, I kind of ask questions, but I, I'm more of um, a listener where um, I listen to what they say. Sometimes like with elderly people, you listen to what they have to say, because in a way of where I was at, I was like either moving them out of their home or bringing something, bringing someone into their home. So I had to really listen to what their needs were, not what their daughter wanted or what their son mm. wanted, but what their needs were. So I kind of would ask a little bit of questions on that part, um, but um, mainly just a good listener when I was younger too, because I didn't ask questions that much think I just let people vent. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, know, and, let them need vent that. and let them get everything out of their way. And, you know, like I would have a girlfriend that would call me up and say, oh, my boyfriend broke up with me. So I'd let her vent. And then I'd say, okay, so can we go out now? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I love that venting because sometimes, you know, they say not to complain and not to just talk about all the bad stuff, but damn it, it does not feel good to just get it off your chest and be like, okay, right. can we go get a drink now? I'm good. Let me just yes. release myself. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and those so I are love that. Always good. Yeah. So what do you think if you're thinking on those same lines, what is your favorite self-care practice? Well, right now my favorite self-care practice is having time for myself. Um, I've never been able to do that. Like um, you said, I've been a single mom raised three kids and I was always on the go. I mean, I worked two or three jobs at, you know, different times of the day. I would come home and sleep for a couple hours and then go back to work. And, you know, at the time my kids were teenagers at the time. So I was able to kind of, you know, give a little give and take with them being older, but um, it, it's, it's hard for me to have time for myself. And that's the self-care that I'm trying to do is have time for myself. So it's really um, interesting how you think that once you semi-retire or retire, oh, I have all this time for myself. And then you get it. And then you're like, so what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Why, why isn't anybody bothering me right now? You know, mom, <laughs> mom, you know? So yeah. it, it's, it, it's really interesting. It's like, it, it's funny because when you're in a career, you set your, you know, day schedule, daily schedule of what you want to do. And now I'm coming down to where I'm semi-retired. So I got to, I still have to have that daily schedule because if I don't, I will be mindlessly playing games on my phone yes. or sleeping until 11 o'clock. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I yeah. got to have that time schedule to be able to have that time for myself instead of just wasting it away. Oh, I love that you said that because it is important to remember like what you want to do, even if you are semi-retired or you work from home, 
or mm -hmm. you have a heavy schedule, it's important to schedule in time for yourself. And a coach just told me that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. This makes so much sense because when mm -hmm. you schedule it, it shows that you're taking priority in yourself and it shows that you really care about your well-being. And I think that's really important, especially after coming from being a single mom and working in the healthcare field. Like, how did you get started into that particular career? Is it something that you'd always wanted to do? Actually, I never really wanted to be in healthcare. I never had that on my radar. You know, mm. it was really interesting how I came about it. Um, I actually got laid off from a construction company and um, I was like, wow, you know, I was the office manager there. I got laid off because, you know, there was just not enough funding coming in to support my role. Mm. And that, so I had to take a couple of months off. And then when I took a couple of months off, I just started, you know, flooding the market with my resume, flooding it. And this company called me up and they were in healthcare. They did nursing, physical therapy, and caregiving. And that's we would staff people and things like that. And that's when I went into the website that you know, the company was. And I'm like, you know what? And this is like the year that my mom passed away that this all happened. And that, mm -hmm. so to me, it was once I started working for this company, I went in for the interview and got the job. Mm, I think my mom gave me back her because I had all these mothers that I had to take care of. You know, yeah, I had yeah. all these people I had to meet and get to know them as like they were my mom and fit them with the right person to come into their home or fit them into the right place of where they needed to move. So mm. that's, that's how I came into healthcare. It was accidentally. And then I ended up being in it for 20 some odd years. <laughs> wow. And it's so. incredible that, you know, you went from a turning point of most likely taking care of your mom at certain parts to saying, okay, my calling is still to take care of someone. So now I will just take care of other people and their moms. And right. do you think that was a significant turning point in your life that you kind of went from, okay, I'm starting in this, or would you say there's something different that kind of set you off in a new motion? Um, I think it set me off in a new motion where it was more of a different way of looking at where, where my life was directed to. Mm -hmm. And also it, it got me out there um, getting to know people because I was very, um, growing up, I wasn't really um, active. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I was an extrovert. I mean, I wasn't an introvert, but I never put myself out there for myself, for people to get to know me. I only mm -hmm. was out there for other people to get to know, like my best friend here. Look at, she's, yeah. isn't she beautiful? Don't you want to go out with her? <laughs> you mm, yeah. You know, so it was never the focus on me. I always did the focus on somebody else. But with the healthcare and the role that I was playing in the last 20 years, it was more of people focusing on me, what I can give them and how I was able to solve their problems of um, like kids coming to me, what am I gonna do with dad? What am I gonna do with mom? You know, so it was like, yeah, they were focusing on me to give them the answers that they needed to move forward with their parents' care, so. Which was probably so difficult to have to think through, okay, what is the specific thing that I need to do like during those first few years? But then by year 10, you're like, I got this. I know exactly what will help you. And, you know, and yeah. what do you think, yeah was the most important lesson you learned over that career? Because 20 years with one career is amazing because some people leave and try different jobs out and you're like, I like this, I enjoy it. I'm just going to stick with it until I retire. So what is the most important lesson you've learned along the way? I know how to grow old. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell my kids, um, I know how certain elderly people act. So beware, I know how to handle different <laughs> situations. So if you take care of me, I won't be that other person. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's true. <laughs> but I, I I know how to grow old now. I, I know what to look for. I know what I need to look for if I ever need to care for my husband now. You know, wow. so it's like I have that knowledge. So that's what I learned. Because before mm. I never had that knowledge. When my mom was sick with cancer and it took her like 
she was diagnosed one week and gone in eight weeks. Wow. So we didn't know as a family, because I wasn't in healthcare or anything, I was in construction. We didn't know anything about, you know, hospice or caregivers coming to your home that you could hire or anything. So uh, having sisters flying in from whatever states that they were living in and having um, an additional family that my mom, you know, from her husband come in and help take care. That's the only thing that we knew. We didn't know yeah. that there was hospice and everything. So now I know all that. So, and I pass that on to, you know, my friends, I pass that on to family members, anybody that wants to listen, you know, sometimes they like to find this out themselves. And back then we didn't have the internet. So you yeah. couldn't really look <laughs> Google, how do I take care of my mom? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, so uh. it was, it, it, it's like you had to know somebody to know what was going on. Oh, and just to think of life before Google, because I say so many times, I'm like, just Google it and we'll figure it out. You know, I once read an article a long time ago that said, is Google making us stupid? And I thought, no, yes. it is teaching me everything. And so you say, no, in a way, it does make us stupid because we don't think for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We Google it, then we start thinking for ourselves. Right. So it, it, to me, it's like, I'm not trying to contradict your answer, but yeah. in a way it is because when I was younger, it was pulling out an encyclopedia at the library, hoping and praying that the librarian will let you check it out so you could take it home. <laughs> I mean, shoot, my mom and dad had like a, a, an encyclopedia set of science and an encyclopedia yeah. set of history that was on our bookshelves that we had to always take down and dust them off, you know? Yeah. So, but we had to think for ourselves when we were reading it. Google just pops up a YouTube video and yeah. yeah I mean, it's know. true. You can learn anything and then don't even get started on chat GPT or the other AI generated <laughs> things because we're, we have all the information at our fingertips. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I commend the younger people today that are having children. I don't know if commend is the right word, but I even tell my daughter this, I go, you guys are raising your children totally different than what I would mm -hmm. ever raise my kids and whatever my parents would raise my their kids. The only thing that's different is that when we were raising our kids, we took advice from our parents because we didn't know what to do. Right. You guys take our advice and you're saying, yeah, I'm going to look it up. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm like, maybe then, we take the advice. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it gets better, you know, yeah. it gets better on what you, what you guys are, you're doing. And, and it's, and I, it's like, wow, you know, the things that she brings up, I'm like, I never thought about that. You know, I used to, you know, go, why don't you understand potty training? <laughs> you know, And, yeah. and then she tells me a whole different uh, way of what, what she's doing with her son. So it's, it's really, it's an interesting world for you guys. I, yeah. I wouldn't want to be raising a kid in the AI world, but good luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just, there really is such an access to information that it makes you wonder how people are going to be raised now versus a hundred years ago. And then a hundred years into the future, there's so mm -hmm. many different things. I mean, that are completely different because I think when I think of two generations before, it was always, oh, you can lay a child on their stomach when they go to sleep. And then it was immediately, nope, back is best. And then even if we're talking about food, if you remember at one point, eggs were bad and then they were good and then they're bad. And I'm like, I don't know anymore. I'm just going to eat what tastes delicious. <laughs> exactly. It's like my, my daughter, when she was, um, her son was a baby, she didn't put anything in her bed, in his bed, in mm -hmm. his crib. Man, I had stuffed animals in their crib when they were raised. I had a pillow. Yeah. I had everything. And that and it's like it's less SIDS disease if you have less stuff in their bed. So it's yeah. I mean, we even had those bumper things around the the mm -hmm. crib. They don't even say to do that anymore, you know. So oh, it's, definitely not. It's interesting. It's it's a very interesting world you guys would be raising these kids in. And yeah, I'm going to sit back and watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's just so many different things that, you know, as you get older, that you realize, you know, that 
the way that you were raised and then how you choose to raise your own kids. And then it just continues on. And, you know, as you've been throughout your life and experienced all of these different things, what do you feel that you are most grateful for or proud of in all of your experiences? And of course that can be a loaded question because I would, somebody might say everything, (laughs) but if you think of the things that have really made you so proud or that you are so grateful for, what do you think that would be? I think what I'm grateful for is, um, is one, the life I have right now. Um, it took me a long time to get where I'm at. And so I'm grateful for the life I had because I learned so much as I was getting older and looking back on it, it's like, I'm grateful to have that knowledge because I could pass it on to other people, you know, and meeting other people, younger people, if they want to listen to my story, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I could give them a, a little bit of feedback of what I've learned. But what I'm proud of is that I'm becoming a mom, not like my other, like my mom, I'm becoming a mom that is listening to what they are saying and not oh. jumping the gun saying, no, you can't do that. What are you doing? Mm. You don't do it that way. No, no, no. They do it their way because that's the way they're going to do it, you know? And, you know, I have three kids that are totally different. You know, the, the three that, um, that are in my reach (laughs) basically are totally different. They have, um, one works in the warehouse industry and loves, you know, raising his daughter on his own. And the other one is, you know, enjoying her life and doesn't want to have kids. And the other one, she's having a successful career and married to the love of her life, you know, and it's like all of them have different lives. And it's like, who am I to put judgment or tell them that they're not doing it right? They are doing it because that's who they are. They're not me which, you know, sometimes my mom thought I was me and I should, you know, be her. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I never wish for my kids to be me because they know the struggle I went through and they yeah. learned from what I've done and they, they moved on. So that I think I'm grateful for my life, but I'm also, you yeah. know, proud of, you know, what, um, what I could give to the younger generation. If I can hold on one moment. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So when you think about all of those experiences, I think I absolutely agree with the fact of your children being something that you're proud of in the life that you're living, because it reminds me of the office episode where he says, if only you knew when you were in the good old days, like there's a quote about that. And it's so powerful because sometimes we don't realize that what we're experiencing right now could be the good old days that we just need to recognize that. And I think it's so inspirational to realize being in the here and now is so important and not thinking about like, oh, what happened in the past? And, you know, what are my plans for the future? But one thing that really stuck out to me that you said was that you listen to your children. And I think that is probably one of the best pieces of advice for parents is just listen to them and not change everything that of course you want to make sure that they're doing the right things but I think just giving them that sort of advice is so important and so is there Mm -hmm. any sort of advice or life motto or favorite quote that you share with them that you really want them to embed in their own lives um I guess but I kind of you know because I've I was raised with a family of five and then um, another one along the way later on in my teenage life so it was six of us Mm. and I always tell them that every child is different do not raise the child the same Mm -hmm. and even and and even if they only have only children which you know I only have two grandchildren you know one for my son and one for my daughter I still tell them that they're not going to be you they're Mm -hmm. going to be they're going to be them. They're going to be who they want to be. And as long as you could focus on what they want to do, then, then you can encourage that. 
But if, if, if they don't do like, if they at five years old tell you that they want to be a fireman and at 29, they're not a fireman, you don't shame them right? because life happened, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, girlfriends or boyfriends have left, you know, or best friends have, you know, become enemies, you know, um, parties have happened adventures have happened in their lifetime so whatever you what they say they're going to do you encourage them if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen you know but you got to realize that each child is going to be different they're not going to be like you now if they can I mean okay so when I was raising my kids I wanted my oldest to be a doctor I wanted my daughter my youngest daughter to be a lawyer and then I wanted my son to be a sportscaster. None of them are that. <laughs> so yeah. let them be what they want to be. If they want to play baseball, let them play baseball. If they want to act out and be a singer, let them be a singer. But, you know, encourage and support they, what they want to do, but give them the avenues to be able to do it. And if, yes. they, if they say, well, I don't want to do that anymore, fine. You know, don't do it anymore. But you know, at 18, you gotta realize you gotta get out there and get a job and live your life and go to school or get a you know job and you know make a life for yourself, you know. But yes, you know, a lot of people are not school people and a lot of people are not career people. But mm-hmm. I mean, in this day and age, you don't know what you could be. You could be an influencer now. Yes, you know? anything. So, yeah. Anything. So it it I think it's just, you know, let your children grow up to be what they want to be, not what you want them to be. Yes, that is such an important message to share, because I think along with that is also really helping them understand their passions from an early age and expanding on it. Because I think, you know, when I think back to growing up, you know that you were always asked, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to be over and over again? But then as you get older, some families or some, some family members or your parents kind of, they don't ask as many questions anymore. And then you start to figure it out. Not all families, but then you start to figure it out on your own Uh and then Uh you might change. And so I think it's so important to really continue to hone that skill of, okay, who do you want to be when you get older? All right. You want to be a scientist? Let's do some science activities. Okay. You want to be an artist? Let's do some artist activities. Okay. You hated that? Cool. We'll try something different and supporting it because there are so many parents that will say, nope, there's no money in writing or there's no money in being an artist. Don't do it. And it's like, nope, follow your passions. Because when you get to midlife crisis, you're going to go back to those same passions. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's like um, when I was growing up, I always wanted to travel. I didn't know what kind of career I wanted to be in. I just yeah. wanted to travel. And so I did. I, you know, got married, traveled to Germany, traveled, you know, throughout the United States, had a really good time yeah. in traveling, you know, and yeah. that, but I met a lot of interesting people and they came back, came back home. And this is where home is, is California. And it's going to be until I have dementia and my kids could drag me away. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love that so, you spent time traveling because that's one of my most favorite things. And I think that's so, so awesome. So what did you mm-hmm. want to be when you were a little girl? Actually, um, there's this movie with Al Pacino and it was one summer and it was when um, cable started coming out with HBO and Showtime when I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. I had um, more HBO than Showtime and my mom paid for HBO. And so it was a summer that I just did swimming and watched TV all day. And Mm. I watched this movie with Al Pacino and it was, and justice for all. And I loved it. I I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to to be in law and I wanted to help people and things like that. So I never became a lawyer, but I did help people, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, but, and I, and healthcare was never on my agenda, but it just happened to pop into my life, you know, and I ended up meeting a lot of people that wanted the same things as to the, the, um, 
the goal was to help people along the way, you know, and stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, I always wanted to be a lawyer, you know, but my and husband says, that. well, you could still be a lawyer. And I'm like, nah, I don't want the legal bill after <laughs> the college bill. After <laughs> yeah, it, it is an expensive one to become a lawyer, but if you want to become yes. a lawyer, you definitely can, but I guess, you know, yeah. Yeah, um, I'll leave. I'll leave that to the young people of the world. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I do want to segue into is something that uh, Chantelle and I do that I love so much, and we have a little writing group together, which I am obsessed with because we're both keeping each other accountable. So I want to yeah. kind of talk a little bit about that, about some of the things that I know we talk about. So you have a dream of one day becoming a published author, is that right? Correct. Yes. yes. <laughs> so if you had to write a book tomorrow, what do you think you would want to write about? Do you have any ideas in your head that, you know, are kind of brewing around? You know, we all have different things we might want to write about. What would you write about if you had to publish one tomorrow? <laughs> Maybe not publish one tomorrow. I guess you'd have to write it first. <laughs> Well, um, I've been looking um, since I've had all this time on my hands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been um, actually I've been writing a book about my, um, you know, history of life and mm -hmm. how I disappeared and appeared and um, at 50, almost 57. Um, so it's like um, I'm writing a book. Um, I would write a book about how it's OK to appear in life. You know, mm -hmm. it might not be the way that that your family didn't um, want you to appear, but it's the way that you should appear in your life. And hopefully that if somebody picks up the book, they could, you know, at 20 or at 30 or at 15 or 35 or whatever age that they see that, hey, you're right. I did disappear at a certain time and it's OK at 25 to appear. I can go mm -hmm. against all the rules that my family had. I mean, yeah. God, man, growing up, you had a lot of rules of yeah. shame and mm. guilt. And oh. God, back in the 70s and 80s, it was like Generation X had a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> but so I much mean, shame. Even, but it was so much shame. But even as you raise your kids, that's how you raise them because that's how your mom and dad raised them. Mm -hmm. and if you think about it that's how their grandparents raised them you know and that's so or oh, their yeah. parents raised so it's a, it's a family thing but it, it's like what I say it's like let go of of you being the parent that tells your adult child how to raise their kids let them raise their kids let them yeah. raise them without that shame and guilt that you put on them yeah <laughs> or you know, and, and all the rules. I mean, why do we need all these rules? I know we have to obey the law, but, you know, there's common sense rules and the wrong and the right of the world, but there doesn't need to be the rules of shame and the rules of guilt along with it. You know, well, if your daughter did this, you got to tell her not to do that and shame on her. Or if your right. daughter, if your son did this, you tell him that he shouldn't have done it and shame, you know. I mean that's a lot, a lot, and uh, so I would, yeah. I, I would, I want to write a book where somebody could read it and say, wow, I don't need to live by my mom telling me I need to cook to, to get a man. <laughs> you know? Oh, exactly. I mean, my mom told me that, and I go, Mom, I know how to get a man. Okay, I need to cook. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just taking away those shame feelings. That's such an important message, especially for young people to hear, because. For those of us that grew up in that time period, there was a lot mm -hmm. of shame around being who you are. And do you think that's a lesson that you learned throughout your life that's just kind of stuck with you that makes you want to share that message with other people? Yeah, I, I do think it's something that I have felt in my lifetime with, you know, my family and, you know, certain friends that have been raised the same way have have. have you know, we all talk nowadays about how our parents raised us and we all feel the same way. Some, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't have that. They didn't have that shame or guilt. They had those restrictions in their life, which I'm not saying 
let your kids go out there and run wild. <laughs> you know, they have yeah. to be, there has to be boundaries, but right. they don't have to be shamed into those boundaries. Yeah. You know, they have to understand those boundaries and why they're there. You don't shame them to not go down to the store and get an ice cream because they want one and they're, you know, 155 pounds and they should be 125 pounds. You don't shame them that they want to go and eat a candy bar or drink a soda, you know, but there's boundaries. It's like, you know, the boundaries that I loved about when I was growing up is that we had a three course, you know, three course meals, you know, we had our breakfast, lunch, dinner, and sometimes dessert. Man, I looked fabulous when I was younger. Now I eat anything I want. <laughs> it's like, I want to go back to the diet that my mom had me on. <laughs> well, and I think you said it perfectly when you said, just choose your words carefully. Because I think there is, when you think about food in particular, you know, right. depending on how your parents approached food determines the rest of your life, no matter how much you try to ignore it. Especially right. if you grew up in a home that focused on weight or body image. I mean, to this day, I cannot eat a dessert without feeling guilty about it every single right. time. And it's all because of the way that shame felt. And I want to go back to what you said also about the way that some, you know, to have the boundaries for people. It's also important to really think about some families actually like those boundaries that they set forth and they don't end up feeling the shame whereas like right. someone else may grow up in that same family and feel all that shame about it because right. some actually like that closed in feeling you know right right exactly and and it's and like i said there's some i mean i had a best friend that had those boundaries the same i that i did but i felt the shame of it mm -hmm. you know she felt you know the love and the the warmth of the family is yeah. saying that these are the reason why we have these boundaries mm -hmm. you know even though sometimes me and her stepped out of those boundaries yeah <laughs> you know and that and we both got you know our little restrictions and our consequences with you know stepping out of those boundaries but mine was more shame yeah. and hers is more love you know she still had probably the same restrictions that i had but it was more love that she, after it was done, it was done. It wasn't brought up over and over again, mm -hmm. you know, and that's oh, the word thing choice. Needs. Yeah. It, it's like, well, you know, you did this and, you know, we can't trust you anymore. Well, my friend would have, well, you did this and I think we could trust you again, you know, so go ahead and go do that, you know? Right. So. And just having um, the right words that you choose to say, because you can mm -hmm. definitely approach things in a way that help that child feel like, okay, I'm loved and accepted for who I am. This is just my parent telling me, you know, here's a way that you can think about it. And if you would like to do it differently, that's cool. But just know yes. that this is how I did it. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and yeah. a lot of times when my um, kids will be talking about certain things that are going on in their life. I'll kind of let them know, you know, I'll listen to them, but I won't say, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing it that way. I go, you know, I never really experienced that, but I did experience this. And I would tell them a little bit about what I experienced. And, but that's how I handled it. I don't mm -hmm. know how you would handle it, but that's how I handle it. So it kind of gives them an idea, but it's not me actually telling them what to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So what do you hope that people remember about you when they look back on their lives with you as children or just the people that you meet along the way? What do you want to be remembered for? I think I want to get, I want to be remembered as a person that likes to be around people, but to be um, a great listener, but a person that likes to enjoy life, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's one thing I always did. I always enjoyed life, even though I worked my, uh, my ass off, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though I worked my ass off in, in my younger years, um, I really enjoyed, I mean, I, I mean, I used to have a roommate when I was raising my three kids and 
I met her in Germany when I was stationed out there with my um, first husband. And so she came out to the United States and she lived with me for a while. And us having a good time was buying groceries for, you know, because she had a kid and I had three, buying groceries and having an extra 20 bucks that we could go and get a 12 pack of beer and listen to music and have a good time, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's little things like that, that you, you, it's not extravagant that we went to Hawaii every summer or, you know, things like that, but it's like, I had good times as I was, you know, experiencing life. And that's what I want to re be remembered by, you know, I always told my kids, if I ever pass away, there's only three people I want invited. And that's, my friend, um, my best friend from way back then, my friend that I grew um, grew with raising children, and um, oh God, who was the other one? It was um, oh um, one of my aunts, you know, and she's passed away, so she's no longer going to be there. But those two people will be invited, and I just want you to sit around a table, get a bottle of wine or whatever your drink of choice. And just laugh because yeah. that's what I love to do is just to laugh. So I want to re be remembered that she had a good time. She had a good life and she loved to laugh, you know? So that's who oh. I, how I want to be remembered. I love <laughs> not it about, so much. Not about my healthcare career. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was going to ask you what, if you were going to write an autobiography, what would the title be? And I think you just said it. She loved to laugh. Yes. I yes. feel like that I would be. To love. Yeah, because that I feel like is so Im just incredible to think about is that when we have a funeral for someone, we're all sad because they're gone. And, you know, we just have, we wear black and we feel like really mournful, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, celebrate that person and just sit around and say, what a fabulous person she was. Let's talk about right. all of the amazing things that she did. Like, I just think that's like, hell yes, let's celebrate the hell out of her <laughs> the the one thing that was kind of interesting and I'll just, it's kind of off but the one thing that was really neat is like when I turned in my 40s I I just got done raising my last kid and um and that was my son and my daughter went over into the air force and so she would fly me out to Maryland and we'd go out and we'd party we go out to the bars, we have a great time. And all her friends would go, you party with your mother? Yeah. And, and, she, and she's like, why wouldn't I not? Right? You know, and she, and all of them are thinking, I would never party with my mom, you know? And it's like, okay, what's wrong about partying with your mom? <laughs> yeah. And that, but, but we had a good time together. I mean, we, we did, went to different places and did different things together. And that now that I'm in my fifties, it's like, oh, the party's not too much anymore. <laughs> you know? And that, but it's like, um, it, it's a thing that I can remember with my daughter. So if I did pass away, that would be the things that she would remember, you know, yeah. about us going out there and having a good time. I love that. Having a really solid relationship with your children, because I really want that, you know, I met a woman back when I was in college and she had the best relationship with her daughter. And she was like, it was never difficult. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But then it's like, when you look back and you think, well, gosh, I love spending time with my children and, and doing things with them and experiencing life. I think that's just fantastic. So I love that. Yeah. 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 There's always, a, there's always going to be those difficult times that you have with your children, but mm -hmm. they weren't as much you know there was more right. of a communication that we had but you got to realize that most of the communication I had was okay there's your lunch here's your lunch money I gotta go <laughs> right yeah it's getting more involved I, yeah you know so now that I'm you know semi-retired and being able to you know reach out to different kids that are adults I'm more involved in their life, but I'm more involved as a standbyer and not as a doer that I have to do things yeah. for them. So oh, I love that. So yes. when you think about your future, what do you look forward to the most, either personally, professionally, you know, what are some things that are upcoming for Chantel? <laughs> um, personally, getting back in shape. 
and also um, getting healthier with you know choices that I have in my life. And then um, professionally, maybe you know, well, no, not don't say maybe, but also <laughs> you know, publishing that first book and seeing if yes. it takes off to publish another book. Um, there was this lady on podcast with Elaine from Seinfeld that um, she was 82 years old and mm. she didn't start writing books until she was in her 40s. And she's, I think, published about a good 20 some odd books. Oh. And and some of them were fictional, some of them were, you know, you know, nonfiction, some were, you know, autobiographies and that, but yeah. she was she did go to school she was a journalist you know so she had that you know mindset of having that routine of writing all the time and uh, and the one thing i always told my son when i was raising him i go when i retire and um i'm getting too old i just want books in my room and I want to read a book. You just send the grandbabies in. Let me give them a kiss, a hug, and let them go to bed. <laughs> yeah, yes. But yeah. I, I mean, so now it's like I, I kind of manifested it into my life where I'm reading books with the badass besties. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I'm actually writing a book, you know. And I've been wanting to do writing a book, I think, since I was in my early 20s. But I'd never had the time to be able to do it because I was raising mm. kids. And that so yeah. yeah. I love that you're getting back to your love of reading and writing because that is so important that when you go back to doing what you truly love, then you realize like, wow, oh, now I just want to read all the books. I want to write all the books. Yeah, <laughs> do exactly. You, yeah. Do you have any favorite books that you would want to recommend that you just absolutely no matter what, no matter who it is, you just have that one book that you would tell everybody to read? Well, the one that we just got done um, reading was um, "You're a Badass." Best, you're a badass. I yes. love that oh, book. Jen Sincero. I love oh. that book. And um, I always, I, I love biographies and um, history books too. And I usually listen um, to them as I do my gig work because I do, um, you know, gig work around um, our area and. I, the the reason why I love gig work is because I can pick up and go at a moment's notice to be there for my kids or you yeah. know just take time off for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um the one book that stands out was um one that is kind of political, but it's kind of the history of our country. And it was called Blowout by Rachel Maddow. And mm. it is a draw jaw dropping book. It is really? it's something that it was interesting because I grew up in the time that she was writing about, and she's younger than me. I think she's in her late forties, and that so for her to to research it and write about it, and then it, it was really well put together. I, I just kind of it kind of brought me back to the days of when I was younger and the events yeah. that were happening in my life. Um, and then there was one book and it was written um, as an autobiography about Demi Moore. And I um, mm. I forget what it was called. I, I knew it the other day when I said it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And that, but um also, you know, there's certain books that we read in our book, um, our book club that I really enjoy and that, but the titles are just not coming to me. I guess it must be my age. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love that because sometimes in the book club, we read books that I might not have picked up and then I end up loving, you know, and yes. I think that's the coolest part. That's why I don't really like that specify a genre that we say, Hey, as long as it's a female author or a self-improvement book, we're digging in. And yes. I love that you mentioned it a couple of times. And I want to close with that question of what is your favorite part or parts, if there's more than one, of being in the Badass Book Besties? Um, I think my favorite part is that it has different people that come together. I mean, there's people like in their 50s like me. There's people that are in their 30s, 40s, and I think there's actually somebody in their 70s or 80s. Don't let Mary say I said yeah. that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 
I mean, but we all come together and we kind of have the same thought, you know, of a character or a part of the story. And we yeah. all focus in on it, even though we're reading the books at different times in our life, you know, we're reading it along the same month, but it's like, but we're all going aha moments at certain times. Yes. And we're like, you got that too. And, and it, it's not, it's not really structured. It's more of um, just getting the feeling out of what you feel about the book at that time, about that character. Yeah. And I love our commentator. She's just a badass in her own way <laughs> because she just, she kind of just lets us flow and then she flows right into the next outline of the yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, so, love, I love it. And that, but also, we are they offer so much more you know we have the the book club then we have the lotus academy and that so it's it's more bang for my buck i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah and i love what you said it's so true like sometimes some people like to really specify like you know a genre or an age group or something right. really specific and i'm like i think that the variety makes it so badass because right. when, like you said, when everybody comes together and they've all thought the same thing, but also you have new perspectives from young and older that really provide a, wow, I did not see it that way at all, but now my perspective is completely changed. And right. And then of course you find yourself reading outside of the book club and going, man, now I just can't get my hands on enough books. Now I just must read all the books. <laughs> yeah. And you always have, you always have somebody in the group that kind of researches it, you know, yes. or, yeah. you know, or, or they, they kind of, wait a minute, is that really true about that? And, you know, and they bring something oh. more to the story. You're like, really, that's true? Wait a minute. And we're all, okay, we're not thinking our own. We're not pulling out the yeah. encyclopedia. We're Googling it. <laughs> right. See, Google does have its amazing benefits, right? Yes. Pretty soon, all of us will Google think. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I am so glad we got to have this conversation and for everybody to learn more about you. So congratulations on being the badass bestie of the month. And I'm so excited yes. that we all get to learn more about you. Well, I am so happy that I was the badass bestie of the month. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And I can't wait to to see what August brings. It's gonna yes. be interesting. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I can't believe we're already here. So let's celebrate the hell out of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast. Please be sure to leave a review. Learn more about our community at badassbookbesties.com. Follow me on Facebook at the Bookaholic Besties podcast and on Instagram at badassbookbestie. If you know someone amazing that you'd like for me to interview or have any badass ideas, I'd love to hear it. Send me a DM or email me at mostbadasslifepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, besties, always keep your bookshelves and beer glass full.